Ba-da-da-da. Welcome to Fourth Times the Charm, where niches need. I am your producer, Ben, alongside our very special guest director today. It's the lovely Rebecca. How, how you doing, sweetheart? I'm doing all right. Yeah, you're doing all right. It looks like you've, you've seen some shit, man. I sure have. In the last three hours it feels like <laughs> and it was only an hour 25 today we are taking a look at russomania before russomania we're going to check out one of vince russo's final shows at wwf as head writer before he moved over to wcw uh, before we do that i would just like to thank our biggest friend brennan if you would like to be our biggest fan, use the special password... Tchotchke. Tchotchke. But you gotta figure out how to spell it. Haha, ha, that's part of it. Send it to us on Instagram at 4th Times Charm Pod Official. Something like that. Um, Matt's not here, but he can confirm that. Um, I can pull up my Instagram. That's too much work. I, I follow you. Too much work. No, I'll follow you anywhere. <laughs> and now let's head into the deep depths of Russo mania. September 27th, 1999's Monday Night Raw. So like right here, I'm gonna edit in. I'm gonna edit in like Russo's intro or something, and and then I'm gonna like transition it to the 1999 Raw intro, you know. And then while we're talking, it's gonna have the in the background. What do you think of of the aesthetic of 1999 Monday Night Raw or Raw is War? The intro? Yeah, like the aesthetic, the grunge, the the butt rock. Oh, I hate it. Hate it? Yeah. What do you what do you hate about it? Well, I didn't like the weird grainy still images that slowly panned in, and I definitely didn't like the flashing between those images in like a strobe effect that made me feel like I was going to have a seizure. And I'm sure if I was there in person, I would have hated how loud the pyro was. The pyro back then was very loud, like lethally loud. They tried to... the So what happened is WCW specialized in like fireworks, right? Like pew, pew, swew, 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 sort of in the same way that AEW does today. On the other hand... WWF is like, all right, well, if they have all of that, we will respond in kind with intensely loud pyro. 
So their shit was like, it's probably why I can't hear too well. Um, that is true. What? Uh, anyway, not important. Uh, this is the September 27th, 1999 edition of WWF Raw. This is significant in a number of ways. This is one of the highest rated Monday Night Raws in history. This is also... Captain, do you want to be part of this podcast too? Just, just, is it? Can you hear her shredding the paper next to us? I, it's showing up on the waveform, so I'll take that as a yes. We open the September 27th, 1999 edition of Raw's War. Uh, Vince Russo, who you've heard me prattle on about, uh, in real life, as well as in our Russo mania series, uh, he was the head writer of WWF programming alongside Ed Ferrara. And he, um, uh, was about to leave the WWF due to the intense work pressure of having to write two shows at the same time. Uh, Captain, we got to talk about this. We got, don't do it. Let her do it. Don't. Don't. Can you please stop, Captain? I'm sure it's not that loud. No, it is. I edit this weekly. This is absolutely as loud as we think it is. (laughs) Stop it. Maybe you gave her a chip? No, we're not adding more sounds to this. Um, Vince Russo stops being head writer. October 3rd, he signs with WCW. This is September 27th. So this is the last Monday Night Raw he ever wrote. And it has one of his most favorite segments that he ever wrote. The Mick Foley, The Rock, This Is Your Life segment that we will talk about. But we are going to start at the beginning. This is the night after the 1999 Unforgiven pay-per-view where Triple H retained his WWF title in a six-pack challenge to regain the championship after he lost it like two weeks beforehand to Vince McMahon. And and it, it's too much to go into. Uh, but we open after our grainy stills. We have our stroby stills. And then we have the loudest pyro imaginable to the butt rock grunge of the Raw is War intro. And who do we get opening the show but our new WWF champion, The Rock with China. Before this, Vince McMahon is backstage. The WWF referees who have been on strike, Vince McMahon has met their demands. And as of tonight, they are coming back to work. What What do you think about... When you said The Rock with China. Isn't it someone Triple else? H. Yeah. yeah, Triple H is out with China. Rock, the Rock is out multiple times tonight. If you like The Rock, you probably like this episode of Rock because he was all fucking over it. Um, what did you think of the entrance for Triple H? You saw him recently at WrestleMania this year. I thought his music was very weird. Okay. He looked a lot like modern day Chris Jericho. Wow. Wow. Whoa. Okay. Uh, Mostly, I appreciated the signs everyone had. It was like 
everyone brought a sign, whereas at like AEW, it's not, I mean, it's a lot of people, but it's not everyone. Uh, the signs were very, uh, very 90s. I wrote down one. It said, Eric is queer. So I guess that was something people thought was cool. Yeah, they got very, so signs were like the Twitter, the wrestling Twitter of the 90s. Um, and, and they were iterative too. So, you know, Austin has Austin 316, which turns into people like to smoke weed. So it's like Austin 420. Then it's like, well, I like this other wrestler. So it becomes China 420. And then it's like, well, I want to have sex with, with these women. So then it becomes like Terry 469 and it just, and then there's Eric is queer so it really, really runs the gamut. There's some high quality signs some weeks. There were not this week, uh, but there were a lot of them, which must have been an absolute nightmare to like sit like oh on the back God, of the Oh my God, you wouldn't be able to see the no. show. Not that it mattered. There was no one wrestling. No wrestling. But... I mean, <laughs> yeah, so uh, Triple H comes out. And Triple H became known as a promo guy later on in his career. This is right when he won the title for the first time. And I don't know about you, but I didn't see Triple H. I saw a scared little boy on the microphone. What what did you think of his epic promo? I thought it was awful. I thought, surprisingly, most of them were really terrible. Uh, I don't know why I'm told this is the height of wrestling before AEW, but he was not magic on the mic. He was really bad. Yeah, uh, Triple H sounds like how I do when I'm trying to continue a conversation. He just he just keeps saying the same things over and over again, slightly differently. He is the man. He is. It, there's one line where he says. Triple H is uh beyond the man. And I'm like, you're stuttering in your promos and you're the world champion at the time. Triple H in many ways is like the first example of the company doing the real, this is not your guy, but we are going to force him to be your guy, whether you like it or not. Um, and I think you can sort of see that here. It's it's a stink that never fully went away from Triple H, where it went from people thinking he was pushed too early to transitioning into, oh, you're sleeping with the boss's daughter now, which wasn't true at the time, but it, it, it evolves into that. He calls himself, quote, the best damn game there has ever been in this business. I don't know what that means. Yeah, I, I don't either. Don't look at me. Yeah. Uh, the British Bulldog interrupts in his lack of shirt and jeans to his butt rock uh, also. Well, no, he was wearing a shirt. I actually made note of that. He was wearing jeans, boots, a shirt, and a jacket, all of which were like dry and ironed. And yet his head was like pouring water. And I didn't understand what was happening to him. That's just... The British Bulldog was perpetually filled with drugs. Oh, okay. 
So at this point in his career, he had what probably should have been a career-ending back injury, but he was still wrestling. But it's all right. He lived another four years. Oh, no. Yeah. He refers to Triple H as Mr. Game Boy. Oh, see, I thought he said Mr. Gay Boy. No. And I was like, man, they can just say that? I mean, they could if they wanted to. But in this case, he was calling him Mr. Game Boy. Because he's the Because he's the game. Because he's, he's the best damn game ah. there has ever been. So uh, he he says that at the pay-per-view, they made a pact where if they helped each other, he'd get the first shot against Triple H. He wants the shot tonight. Triple H says no. He attacks him. And Vince McMahon interrupts. And he's like, you know, Bulldog, Triple H is right. You're really not good enough to get a title shot, which is brutal indictment of the Bulldog. They made him look like a jobber here. Well, no, he said, Triple H, you're being a wuss. You need a fight for your title, but I would rather see you fight The Rock. Yeah, but like, it's getting rejected twice, really. I I mean, if people wanted to see the Bulldog wrestle Triple H, he'd be like, fine, you'll do it tonight. But he didn't. He's like, no, you're not good enough to be in the main event of my show. Which is weird that they decide sort of the main event the show of day of show of yeah during the show like isn't part of the main event drawing people to the show so they actually come not in the wwf it's not this this like became a common trope where every week the show would start and there is not one thing advertised and part of that was because they were booking up until a few hours before the show, because that's how everything's been ever since. Uh, but yes, in the main event, Mr. McMahon decrees that Triple H will defend his world title against not the British Bulldog, but the man the British Bulldog screwed over the night before, The Rock. Uh, the segment ends, Triple H is having a freak out. Backstage, Mankind is walking with birthday balloons... And a cloth covering. And he's really excited to surprise The Rock to try and make him feel better after he uh, cost him the world title in the main event the night before. Also backstage, Jeff Jarrett and Miss Kitty are with producer Dr. Tom Pritchard and they're heading to the ring. Uh, We come back from break and, and just like us... Stephanie McMahon is backstage with her husband-to-be test, and they're picking out suits. Yes, because suit shopping was that relaxing. Yeah, it's a, I appreciated that the tuxedo shop took place in a corner with this creepy old man with a neon green tuxedo, a checkerboard tuxedo, and and it was uh i've never experienced any store quite like it what do you think of the acting here yeah it was pretty awful i was really surprised and maybe it's just cuz i strongly dislike 90s fashion but he came out yeah i assume he picked a suit it was 
a mixture of a black and gray suit, which already I was like, ugh. But the crowd wooed. They were like, they woo. did. And I was like, this is the ugliest thing I have seen in a while. <laughs> I was, I, I found it quite endearing, actually, that, you know, the late 90s wrestling crowd is about as vulgar as you could possibly get. And Tess comes out and is like, like, just, it was three seconds of innocence on this whole program just for that. And then Stephanie McMahon looked like she was actively dying as she gave him a kiss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing is when her and Triple H started on TV together, because they started out on TV as a couple, and then they became a real-life couple afterwards. And it's one of those things where, like, you can see week to week. Like, the first week, mm, nothing. By, like, a month in... They're doing these promos together, and she's just staring at him the whole time. And it's very clear that something is happening. It's called Mirin. I thought it was Myron. Like, Edmyron. Oh, maybe it is. I pronounced Myron. things wrong, so it's probably Myron. I pronounced it in my head, Mirin. Uh, next segment is truly bizarre. Jeff Jarrett comes out with Miss Kitty, his valet, and Dr. Tom Pritchard, who refereed his match last night. And he calls out Deborah in China to wrestle him and Tom Pritchard in a tag match, and then he just leaves. And that was it. He did his whole entrance. He posed. He was all oiled up, entered the ring, said, I want to wrestle you later tonight. And then he says, okay, we're leaving. And then they left. What the f- what the hell happened here? So I have a problem with this announcer. The, the one who isn't JR. Okay, Jerry Lawler. Yeah, because, I mean, you were like, oh, his thing is that he's horny. This guy is like the bane of any woman's existence. And it's like, okay, it's the 90s. But when he, when Kitty came out, he said the most grating thing. It was, here, kitty, 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 kitty. And he did this multiple times every time Kitty was around him. Does it make it better or worse that him and Miss Kitty were in a relationship at this time? So much worse. Okay. Uh, does it make it worse that Jerry Lawler was arrested about five years prior to this uh, for uh, statutory rape? What? And they hired him? No, they 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 rehired him. They fired him and then they brought him back afterwards. You didn't answer my question. Does that make it worse? Yeah, he should be dead. I would have killed him. Does it make it worse that he I assume it makes it worse. <laughs> Does it make it worse that Part of the reason why he got off of his charges was he said that the women, the girls that he spent time with couldn't be trusted because they slept with black men. What? Yeah. You're kidding me. No. (laughs) Damn. This is, this man should be shot. Yeah. He's in the Hall of Fame. He still shows up to this day. You saw him at WrestleMania. 
Man, some people just deserve to be buried. Yeah, Jerry Lawler is a true WWE legend. Okay, we have our first match of the night. The Big Show faces Chris Jericho, uh, who comes out to start with his welcome to Raw is Jericho, but then the mic's not on. Um, but really? but then it, I didn't notice that. Yeah, it well, it's because it just cut off his whole intro, so he just oh. started, and it was like, okay, well, I guess this is fine. Uh, what did you think? You're used to AEW Chris Jericho. You've never really seen young boy Chris Jericho. What do you think of freshly in the WWF off of his good mid-card WCW run Chris Jericho? Well, he was really young. Like, he reminded me of the Varsity Blondes. Also because his hair was so shiny and blonde. He was like Rapunzel. And I think he's still mad that his hair isn't like that anymore. But um, Did you like the bob? The little, it was, I called it a little girl's ponytail. Yes. Because when you're like four and you make a ponytail right on top of your head, it it looks like that. But no, I feel like it explains something when he was doing his promo. Because it was a similar cadence to his promos now. Like not that much has changed. But he was looking down, like he never looked up. He would look, he would like flick his eyes up, but he was like looking at the ground, I think, because he was nervous. Chris Jericho nowadays does not break eye contact with the camera. I'm not even sure if he blinks. And I think maybe he was overcompensating for his early days where he only looked at his shoes. You know, I never thought of that, but maybe very possible. Jericho was in a really weird spot at this time. Because he, wa- he was, in many ways, the first real game-changing jump from WCW to WWF. At the time, he was the equivalent of an indie darling in WCW. Or he was like... He was like in the Ricky Starks position. Okay, yeah, I was thinking that out of all the big wrestlers we saw... He was the best on the mic so far. Yeah. The new boy. So, but he was also coming over during the heated WCW-WWF rivalry. And, like, the people in WWF did not want him to do well. So, he came. He comes in with a big debut promo on The Rock. Triple H is backstage and is burying him at any time in chance he can get. Of course, Jericho's programmed with Triple H's guys to start. It was just a really awkward transition for him, and especially because he was the first one to move from WCW to WWF. Different work rate, different ring. There's a lot of small factors. And so one of the things they changed is they brought Mr. Hughes in, a guy who has narcolepsy, and will just fall asleep standing up to be his bodyguard. How do you think Mr. Hughes added to his presentation? I honestly didn't notice him. Yeah, he does not last long. Um, neither does this match. Uh, the Big Show feeling very svelte, wearing not his mini tights, but he is wearing high waist tights, which is still a pretty sexy Big Show. Um, they start wrestling and almost immediately Prince Albert shows up 
on commentary who sounds like every single 1980s street tough and he talks about wanting to beat up the big slow Ooh, that one's gotta hurt burn um when he's asked about big show he says quote i am very unimpressed which reminds me of of buford from phineas and ferb um so yeah about two minutes in Big Show has proven that he can beat Chris Jericho and gets him up for the choke slam, but we cannot have either guy taking the job here, so instead Albert hits Big Show with a top rope drop kick for the DQ loss for Jericho. Um, and as Jericho's leaving, the Road Dog comes out for revenge and attacks Chris Jericho. Uh, what did you get anything out of this? No, but there were a lot of DQs in this show, which is something I'm not used to seeing. Like, they just ended pretty much every match with a DQ. It protects everyone. It's lame. Don't don't it you... It doesn't progress anything. But but if Chris Jericho lost that match, you would like him less. I, I didn't like him to start. <laughs> um, Yeah. Yeah, it was... I thought the top rope drop kick was impressive. There are a lot of wrestlers who lose all the time that I like. The acclaimed almost never win anything. I mean, the Hollywood hunk is the best wrestler on the roster. He is the best wrestler on the roster. Let's go Hollywood hunk. Backstage, Mick Foley is hanging out with his individual in a blanket. And he is stopped by Stevie Richards, which this was really weird for me. I know you don't know Stevie Richards, but no. but he's like a lower mid-card stalwart in many major wrestling companies. Uh, his most high-profile run was ECW. I did not know he was in WWF in 1999, so he shows up to ask for Mick Foley's blessing to use the Dude Love character. And he says, Dude Love sucked, sure. And he left. I don't know what any of this served but fine um this is followed up with steve austin coming out got a great pop and cut the most like basic like meh steve austin promo i've ever heard yeah as i said the promos on the show were not good i this is right before steve austin had his surgery and he can barely move at this point i think he's just kind of checked out and i also think he does not want to lose to triple h uh this was triple h's like star making time infamously he was supposed to beat steve austin for the belt at SummerSlam. steve austin did not want to lose to him So they instead added Mick Foley to the match. Mick Foley pinned Triple H and then the next to win the belt from Austin. And the next night, Triple H pinned Mick Foley to win the belt. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's how we got around that. Uh, But Austin comes to the ring. He's pretty much like, I want a title shot. Vince McMahon comes out, says you'll have it at the pay-per-view in three weeks. And Austin's like, sure and and just leave even the crowd was sort of like that's it yeah it was weird he was like you're gonna get your title shot i just didn't say when and i was expecting something like in 10 years and he's like in three weeks and then steve austin's like yeah well i 
I better. <laughs> yeah, and he gave him nothing. It's like <laughs> it's it's like improv gone wrong. It's like, what's the situation? I want a title shot. All right, you'll get it, but not for three weeks. It's like, I mean, okay, I can wait that long. I guess, yeah. Um. We we're, it, we go to break and then have an interstitial with GTV, which at this time were were little uh, little backstage segments that just sort of flesh out the life of the backstage. I think these were supposed to be a way to reintroduce Dustin Runnels as his Goldust character snooping on the backstage scenes, uh, but we did. Not get that because Vince Russo left, and I don't think Goldust ended up resigning with them. Uh, in this one, the Mean Street Posse are backstage post coitus with Terry Runnels. Um, she tells them that now that she's pleased them, it's time for them to return the favor. And they said no. And said that uh they are going to they are now leaving her used and abused and yesterday's news and yesterday's news and then she just sort of huffs and walks away and i'm like what is wrong with america like the weirdest thing with this right is that it's essentially like okay i like used and abused are not words that you say to someone you just had sex with yeah like it it's not even it was obviously consensual sex too. It's not like it, it, it. It's not like it was like, oh, well, you sort of took advantage of the situation, but now it's my turn. She's like purring over to them, and it's like, hello, boys, aren't you ready for round two? And they're like, no, like I don't. I don't get it. It's cutting off your nose to spite your face, right? Yeah, and even one of them, as she was walking away in a huff, he's like, guys. <laughs> it's like, guys, we're... guys. What we about the sex? <laughs> yeah, it's like, guys, we want to have sex, right? And they're like, nah, man, we played her. Now nobody has sex. It was uncomfortable. I, I don't know. This is a family show. Uh, we followed up with our second match of the night. Steve Blackman out to no reaction. Nunchuck man. Fun fact about Steve Blackman. He signed with WWE in 1989. And then he suffered, I think it was malaria. Oh, that's rough. He almost died. It took him, I think, eight years to fully recover. But once he did... Give him credit. WWF signed him to a new contract. That's nice of them. Yeah. His whole thing is he's a martial artist. Also became a real life bounty hunter after wrestling. How does real life bounty hunting work? There's a guy you're looking for. There's a list. You go find him. Yeah, but like, is it legal to just abduct someone? It's not just legal. It's lethal. Lethal Weapon, Steve Blackman. Uh, he is facing D'Lo Brown for the European title. Channeling Mr. Moe and his bobblehead. Yeah, what did you think of D'Lo Brown? 
I liked his bobblehead and his weird swinging dead arms. Yeah, he's he's a vibe. He's Dilo Brown. He's not is a, a vibe. cool vibe, but he is a vibe. Yeah, he works for Impact now. They have clarified that his name does indeed stand for Delorean Brown. Okay. Yeah. Uh, draws, aka Puke, who is Prince Albert's partner, is joining on commentary. It seems like he wants a shot at the European title. The referee Jimmy Corderas is refing with an arm with his arm in a sling. Uh, in two minutes, Steve Blackman gets a kendo stick out and hits D'Lo Brown. Really for no reason, he costs himself a title shot just because, and then he attacks Jim Dotson, the security guard at ringside, because Jim Dotson got in his face at the pay-per-view the night before. So that's DQ number two. CQ number two. Draws heads over to D'Lo, attacks him also, and pukes on him, but either he didn't actually do it, or the camera didn't catch it. This whole thing was really awkward and strange and was a means to an end. And it made Steve Blackman look like a, a real idiot. Yep. Yep. Um, and and we're now at the halfway point of the show. And it's time to talk about one of the most famous segments in wrestling that you just saw for the first time. Rock... This is your life. Broad points. What did you think of this? It's like a 25 minute long promo where Mick Foley introduces characters from The Rock's in-character youth for him to then turn them away and spurn them with one of his 75 catchphrases, which he gets through just about all of them. I thought it was really fun. I... Did ask in the middle of it if we were still watching a wrestling show because it was really long and there was no wrestling to be seen. But I've never seen This Is Your Life. I assume it's like one of those game show things you watch. I think so. But yeah, it seemed cute and fun. I felt like after the first one, I knew what was going to happen for the other two and they could have made it a little more interesting like maybe the last one he doesn't spurn them he like gives them a hug and then ddt's them or something like it went on too long in my opinion they could have stopped yeah. with like two. Oh, rule of three though gotta go rule of three sure but yeah it was fun i like the gifts i was a little disappointed in the clown I was hoping it was going to be like another wrestler who's like his cousin or something or maybe like his long lost fraternal twin. I don't know. It was just a clown and <laughs> I was hoping for something more. Man, this is some this is some Yerple erasure here. How dare you dis Yerple? Uh, yeah, uh, we get uh, mix uh Pardukey down with confetti and popping balloons. Uh, Mrs. Griffith comes out with the nameplate of Mrs. Schubert. Someone screwed that up. Uh, and none of the other guests had nameplates, which I guess they figured that out quickly. Uh, the Rock will not let any of these people touch him. Uh, the Rock tells Mrs. Schubert to check her ass into the SmackDown Hotel for uh 
not letting him make pancakes in home ec. Coach Hart comes out and The Rock critiques him for making him run sprints after DDTing a quarterback in high school. And Joanne Imbriani, his high school sweetheart, cut him off at second base. So that was weird too because he didn't make it to second base with her. And then after he tells her to go, the, uh, what's his name, McFoley is like, I'm sorry for bringing out your girlfriend because she was a skank. And I feel like not letting you get to second base is the opposite of skank. That's the joke. It's funny because he's calling, he's essentially calling her a whore when the whole thing is that she specifically would not put out. We get matching jackets, Mr. Rocco and Yurple. A horrible looking cake, and then it just sort of ends where Triple H comes out and he gets caught in a bunch of balloons with his sledgehammer. Um, all in all, I think this was the best part of the show. It was. And it was a good segment, but it went about eight minutes too long. Yeah. Yeah. It was like it was like twenty to twenty-five percent too long. Um and now we only have like 30 minutes left in the show because that went so incredibly long. Uh, the New Age Outlaws, the tag champions, come out and issue an open challenge that's answered by X-Pac and Kane. We're both big fans of the gun club. What do you think of Prime Daddy Ass? I was actually kind of shocked at how much his son looks like him. Because, like, I mean, they look similar now colton especially but young daddy ass is colton but like with a little more meat on him yeah he has like he has like austin's build but colton's like structure yeah his face but uh it also clarified something i'm sure you explained it to me at some point but when i saw mr ass on his pants i was like oh that's why they call them the Ass Boys. Yes. Yeah, I was disappointed this was one of the few episodes where they didn't go through all the catchphrases, but you get the idea. This is what he wants his children to aspire to be. Yeah, and I feel like uh, actually watching him wrestle, it looked a lot like how Austin wrestles, so I guess I guess that's where he got it from. Yeah. I wonder what happened with Colton. Billy Gunn really did himself no favors with the way he wrestled. Because, like, you saw him in the match. He bumped like a motherfucker for those guys. Like, he made them look great, but he's also huge. Like, you, when you're as big as Billy Gunn, you really shouldn't probably wrestle like that, you know? I think it sort of does you a disservice. He wrestles like a giant now because the average wrestler's gotten so much smaller. Well, the average wrestler in AEW is very small. I mean, overall as well. They're not as choosy as they used to be. I mean, remember Ricochet's in WWE. And what are they doing with Ricochet? He's US champion. He is? Yeah, he's still losing every match, but like... So, not doing great on Ricochet. He's making a lot of money. He is is making money. He's making a lot of money. Uh, The Holly cousins come out... Um, the super heavyweight obsessed tag team and because they think they should have come out first or something, they cause a DQ and they get beaten up by everyone. 
is DQ number three. Yeah, once again, in about two minutes, um, we have not had any matches with a finish yet on this show. Three DQs in a row. Um, let's see if that happens coming up next. Ivory faces the fabulous Moolah and Mae Young in a handicap evening gown match. What did you think of watching two elderly women wrestle? I was very worried for their health, but I also thought it was really fun. I was like, I could definitely get behind watching two old women. Uh, like, they're not playing. They are trying to win. And that's what made it concerning because I was worried at every step that they were about to break something. But it was, I thought it was highly entertaining. This was a good call on, uh, what is it? What, what's WWE called at this point again? WWF. It was a good call on the World Wildlife Fund on Jeez, letting these that's some real <laughs> women heat. wrestle. That's some real heel heat here. Man. <laughs> um, fabulous Moolah wins. Uh, do you know what the Fabulous Moolah is known for? Best known for? Um. Yes, I think I do. I do. Uh, give me a sec. You've said it before. She is a pimp. Yes. Good job. Longest running women's champion in wrestling history because she ran women's wrestling in America and used the women to pimp them out to the male wrestlers. Man, people say, oh, I wish I was born in the 60s. Look at those poodle skirts. And I'm like, yo, life already is not amazing. This past for women. Rough times. You're like really bumming me out tonight. Sorry, I. One of my hangups is the mistreatment of women. Oh yeah, well then this is not like your time. <laughs> so I just get really bummed out when you didn't I watch like, these. Things. You didn't like Mae Young being stripped to her bra and panties, and then the women's champion being stripped to her bra and panties. No, I didn't. Especially because they booed the older woman, and I was like. If you sign up for one, you kind of sign up for both. The whole point is you rip their evening gowns off. Yeah, it's... Also, why was she wearing a thong? I mean, I get it's for the booty, but, like, that's really uncomfortable and not a good choice. She could have worn normal underwear. Part of the job. I'm not even sure how it stayed up. There must have been one tight thong. It probably was. Must have hurt. Plus, it's the 90s. I feel like thongs were more of a thing then. I think they were. I mean, obviously, I wasn't super conscious in the 90s. I have no memories of the 90s. But I do remember hearing about whale tails and stuff like that. Mm. Whale tails are pretty cool. Yes, well, thongs are very uncomfortable. Next up, we have the long-awaited tag team match. Between China and Deborah, Jeff Jarrett's former valet versus Jeff Jarrett and Dr. Tom Pritchard. Obviously, the This Is Your Life segment went way too long. They get in the ring and immediately go to the finish. Jeff Jarrett sets up China for the figure four. Deborah steps in. She gets in a cat fight with Miss Kitty at ringside, which is really just there for them to show up their skirts. Tom Pritchard 
hits China in the back of the head with a guitar after she low blows Jeff Jarrett, but she falls on top of Jarrett when the ref turns around and he gets her pinfall on top of Jarrett. So China wins and gets a title shot for the Intercontinental title at no mercy. I've heard of China before. Apparently, she's like an inspiration to women's wrestlers. Were you or impressed in this ninety-second bout? I mean, no, but I was impressed by what she looked like. She was jacked to the gods. Yeah, steroids work for men and women. Thanks, China. Well, she'll have to have had breast implants she because did. if you are that heavily muscled, you tend to lose a lot of breast volume. Uh, just because your weight's being distributed differently. Oh, she did. They actually uh, uh, referred to them as the two newest members of D-Generation X when she got them. Oh, so like she didn't have them to start with? Like she didn't come into the company with the boobs? No, she got them while she was there. Interesting. She had a lot of image issues. She... I mean, bodybuilders tend to, yeah. Yeah, she completely redid her face over the span of, like, her time there, which was about four years. Oh, wow. To make it more feminine looking. So, which is really a shame. Um, Where you saw her here, this is probably her best look. Just because she did, like, a very minor amount of work. But, like, she's still juiced. She still looks good. Of course, we're only a few months away from her finding out that Triple H is cheating on her with Stephanie. Oops. Um, we are now at our main event. I feel like I've lived a thousand lives. Triple H defends the WWF title against The Rock. We have had two finishes on this show. One clean finish, which was the handicap evening gown match. And um, this is the main event, The Rock versus Triple H. Naturally, it ends in a DQ when the British Bulldog runs in and kills everyone. DQ number four. This is after Steve Austin ran in with the ref out and attacked Triple H to try and give Rock the win. Uh, what did you... Th- this is the only like real wrestling of the night. It felt like it went about maybe six minutes. What did you think of the main event? I stopped taking notes before this point because I was like, oh my God, this show is still happening. Uh, It looked like wrestling. I mean, good for them. Uh, Give me me something you liked about the main event. I just don't remember much about it. It was like so late. And I had already seen these guys like three times each. That's true. It's hard to remember like what even happened at the main event. They brawled into the crowd. Uh, They did do that. Security, very lax. Yep. Uh, who, Who? Oh, right. It was a DQ. Yeah. I mean, they spent the whole show whining about various things. And then they wrestle each other. And it's a DQ, so nothing happened and nothing matters. I feel like that was the match. Right. And this is why WWE is the way it is. Vince Russo's booking approach is that wrestling does not matter. It's about the storytelling. 
I think Vince Russo's number one failing is he doesn't understand that the wrestling itself is the payoff. Exactly. Yeah. But, but like, that's why the show's structured the way it is. I think it's also a holdover effect of why WWE today is so focused on moments as opposed to actual coherent stories is because from you remember rock this is your life and because this show did one of the highest ratings raw ever had they must think oh well we don't need like a coherent story we can just get away with having good moments and that'll keep people tied it over especially because they're really more of a live event company that just also happens to have a billion dollar tv deal there's layers to this but um yeah it was i was never bored watching this show i i feel like i've gone through a car crash but i was never not entertained i also think that comparing one of russo's last wwf shows to the russo mania shows we've been watching I think people really undersell how similar it is to the WWF's Attitude Era. And I think part of the reason why it didn't work as well in WCW is because the product just wasn't as hot at the time. I think Russo was already starting to turn into 2000 Russo on his own with or without Vince McMahon. Uh, And maybe that's burnout. Maybe that's he just changed his viewpoint on wrestling. Maybe he was gaining more... Uh, backstage control with WWF at the time who's to say Rebecca how would you compare this to AEW Dynamite and what would you give what would you score this show one of the most famous episodes of programming from one of the most famous times in wrestling how would you score it out of five well I feel like my rating wouldn't be fair for two no that's reasons. what I want it wouldn't be fair because I pretty much hate the 90s and everything they thought was entertaining during that period. You're going to hate the next decade. Uh, I, I feel like the next decade will be like fashion rather than the culture. Because you can't have 90s culture in the modern day because people will chastise you about it. Well, in California they will. I feel it depends like where you are. How it depends on how strong your internet connection is. Yeah. If you're in the middle of Iowa, you know maybe you'll be fine. But then you'll also not be following '90s trends. You know. Hmm. So anyway, uh, I don't like the '90s or what they find entertaining. And also, and this is something I just have a problem with with TV in general is I need a lot of time to warm up to characters before I actually care what they're doing. So that's why I have a really hard time watching new TV shows. Because if I don't already know a character or like them, then it's going to take me a long time to be nice about it. You know Chris Jericho. And and he was a cute little boy. You know the big show. Do I? I feel like I never actually see him. That's that's for the better. <laughs> you saw so, his debut match in AEW. Oh. Remember he fought QT Marshall? A lot of people fought QT Marshall. 
but QT Marshall had sparkly tights that night. You have a very good memory. So yeah. Only for wrestling and for you, So anyway, I'm heavily biased to out of five. All right, uh, I'll. But give... I will give the Rock segment four and a half out of five because it was so stupid and weird, and I do enjoy absurdism. I'll give this show a three out of five. I didn't think it was that great. I. Like, even Rock This Is Your Life was not really as good as I remembered it. Um, I thought it was good, but I would have ranked it lower than you, honestly. I would have ranked it, like, maybe three and three quarters. It was good, but it's also... I I feel like if you want to show someone what wrestling is in the 90s, you show them that. Really? Yeah, because there's no wrestling in it, and it gets through all of The Rock's catchphrases. When, when like, The Rock's doing this every single week. It would get tiring, but I, I, the reason I rated it so high, even though I had problems with its structure and felt like it could have had more pop, but I haven't really heard The Rock's catchphrases, so hearing all of them at once was very informative. Mm, that's true, yeah. And I liked the... The, like, Psycho Boy a lot. McFoley? Yeah. Mankind? Yeah, he's great. I liked him a lot. Still still don't like that clown. Yurple? Nah. What's wrong with Yurple? She wasn't what I was hoping for. Yurple made a comeback, like, six years later. I was... I had my expectations too high. I thought it was going to be, like, a very special person, and it was just a clown. You know? What's not special about Yurple? He's just a clown. This is Yurple Eraser. But right. yeah, it was nice to hear all his catchphrases. I I feel like it'd be very tiring, but I was telling Ben while we were watching it that no one else, I guess, had done that before, where they just said something, and if the crowd laughed, they just kept saying it. And But they did that for everything they ever said. And I feel like that was pretty smart. I mean, I mean, only like one person can do that at a time. Yeah, Jericho was sort of like that in a way. But I, but the funny thing about The Rock is back then, internet fans were like, he only cuts, he cuts the same damn promo every week. Like, internet fans were not Everyone the loves hottest. a sing-along song. True. That's, that's one of the things AEW got best with wrestling. People love singing along to shit and stupid chants. Like, they really foster that mindset. Um, well, if you had a choice between going back and reliving the Attitude Era or watching WWE Today, which would you choose? You've been to WWE Today and you've seen this. Which would you prefer? I would prefer WWE today. I I don't think I could survive in the crowd of the 90s. I prefer the quiet, stoic crowd of today where no one's excessively annoying or bothering me. You've heard it here, folks. <sighs> Zero chanting, silently watching 
the wrestling match while we also look at our phones. I'm just... Though there was that one show we went to that was actually good. It was, um... It was one night of WrestleMania. Oh, yeah, night one. Night one of WrestleMania. That's cheating because Cody Rhodes was there. It wasn't just Cody Rhodes. I thought I was super impressed with the women's wrestlers. That's right, Becky Lynch and Bianca. And some of the other matches were interesting, too. Mm. Uh, I loved that Japanese dude. Shinsuke? Yeah, he was great. Yeah, so, like, that was a WWE show that I actually really enjoyed. Well, you heard it here first, folks. According to Fourth Time's The Charm, modern-day WWE is better than the Attitude Era. I'm not saying it's better. I'm saying I wouldn't want to watch the Attitude Era. You heard it here first, folks. We'll see you the next time there's a three-hour Raw. I'm not watching it. (laughs) If I I prefer today's WWE, that's fine. But, you know, I prefer no WWE. There we go. And we will catch you guys next time when the fourth time's the charm. Good night and good night.